0: Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. <clears throat> really has not been very long at all, um, but we're happy to have you back. Um, back in basketball mode, despite continuing uh, breaking news on the OU football conference realignment front. Um, not that really we learned anything new yesterday or today. Uh, just confirmed what we sort of had always suspected, <clears throat> but here we are for our last pre-draft pod and i've got here with me of course alex and sam guys how are we doing
1: we're doing great this is literally i think i speak for probably all three of us our favorite time of the year
2: i think it's legitimately my favorite individual as far, Yeah, as
1: far as one-off events go for sure yeah, yeah absolutely
2: obviously we all love college football season but like in terms of yeah one event this is this is the one that i do the most like pre like i have the most pre interest in like i listen to a million pods i look at a million big boards i pay money to like look at people's rumors and shit so yeah this one this is a big deal for for us
1: It's literally the only thing that can get me to watch college basketball anymore is knowing that I would like to have opinions on these guys whenever this time of the year rolls around. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
0: All right. Um, In terms of opinions. Well, I guess let's start news Um, trade today. uh, Not to thunder, but Memphis took a huge swing to snatch up new Orleans. Number 10. Um, but they ended up trading seventeen and like fifty for ten and like forty one, and taking on and a uh, lottery protected or some sort of protection twenty two Lakers first, um, and they take on the Adams deal and the Bledsoe deal,
1: and ditch Jonas Valanciunas over and to lose the Jonas
0: God that was a big trade.
1: Yes frankly seems like a massive overpay for 10. It seems it seems like one of those trades like in fantasy football or something where you just throw so many things in there that you're like just doing it to make it as confusing as possible and probably like trying to pull one over on somebody. Like I feel like one of these sides is getting a steal here and it's so hard to decipher which one.
2: I think I think New Orleans robbed Memphis blind. Like here is a situation where they got rid of their two bad contracts, Mm -hmm. Steven Adams contract, bad Eric Bledsoe contract really bad. They got rid of both of them in one deal and they took back a player. That's better than either of the guys they traded. Yeah. That's the thing about the.
1: That's the thing about him is like, yeah, like you said, he's the best player out of these three people. So he's an upgrade over Steven Adams and a more favorable contract. Like it's not like it's, Two albatross contracts that you're just swapping, you know, kind of like the Al Horford thing one was a two year deal, one was a three year deal, and so you know you you got a favorable that way like it's a better contract than Steven Adams he's a better player, like he will fit well with what New Orleans is wanting to do like i yes. I yeah. don't see any downside to this from their end and my other well, thing in terms of this
0: for Memphis is moving up from 17 to 10 how many players are there in this draft that you're certain will be there at 10 and certain won't be there at 17
2: right well we've talked i think multiple times on on this pod that the you know there's a pretty big drop off you know after you get past the top six or seven guys and that you know that's kind of a fluid number but after that point though it's it's pretty flat until like 24, in all honesty. Like guys that guys could go eight or 24, and it wouldn't surprise any of us. So like, it's it's a weird trade. Um, they must have some extra intel. They also must have a guy that they just really really want. Um, I know Draft Express was hypothesizing that being Josh Giddy, which you know that's fine. That's interesting yeah. enough, but yeah. Josh Kitty might not be there, you know, and if he's not, then how does Memphis feel about this trade? They've got a guy in Eric Bledsoe who it's already been reported. Isn't going to play for them. They got a worse center on a longer contract. Who was a worse fit with John Morant. That's weird. Yeah. All to just move up seven spots. So they better nail the shit out of this 10th pick. Um, Otherwise, you know, this was a really bad deal and it's, you know, it's a good deal for, for New Orleans. They fixed some of their previous mistakes, and that's really all you can ask for.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned, you know, moving up to 10 to get your guy hoping, you know, let's say it is Josh Giddey, hoping he's there. And, but even if he is there, you still have to get it right. And it is so hard to get picks right, especially like we've talked about. They're, the entire zone where they were already at and where they moved to is this weird kind of unknown dead zone Like, do you really want to have more pressure to get it right? Whereas, like, if you stay at 17, sure, you still want to get it right. Obviously, you don't ever want to miss picks, but it's, like, much more forgivable. It just, yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense from there. And, like I said, you just got to nail the shit out of it. And that is, like, the odds of doing that are so low anyway. And are you really increasing your odds of hitting that by moving from 17 to 10? Probably not.
2: And I, I think one of the re- like one of the reasons why we're leading with this is just that, you know, I think all three of us had thought of the Thunder as a really good partner with New Orleans because we could absorb Eric Bledsoe's contract. Um, I don't think any of us saw a team being willing to absorb both, yeah, and still give up a first round pick in exchange. But they they found a team that was willing to do it. So you know, and I. This trade that they made I would not have wanted the Thunder to make. You know, they could have theoretically I guess done it, but it would not have been a good deal in my opinion for the Thunder to to make this trade. So, yeah, I um, mean we
0: were talking about move. things like Bledsoe for 10 straight Bledsoe and 10 straight up or Bledsoe and 10 for 18.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, and I that was I would have gone to 16. I would have gone Bledsoe and 16, but that was it. I'm not taking taking another bad. I'm not taking two bad contracts for that.
0: Right. You know? And giving and, up the best player in the trade.
2: Right. Exactly. Definitely. Definitely not. Not in on that idea. But um, I think I saw that now. New Orleans is they're going to make a run at Kyle Lowry, which I just okay. could not. I could not. Team. I could not disagree more with how they're choosing to build. Like they're just. Like Kyle Lowry's like 35, 36 years old. Yeah. You know, you're building around a 20-year-old right now or 21-year-old.
0: How old is Valanciunas? I, he's 29. Uh, yeah. Okay,
1: that's not too bad. But, I mean, no. he's not a particular like mobile had center. A, Valanciunas has had like a renaissance in the past couple of years. Like he's been
2: really, he's good. Been really good. Like he's been yeah. probably yeah.
1: in his prime last year and the year before. Like he's yeah. really good right now.
2: He's probably going to play really well down
1: there for them. Like yeah. that's –
2: that's great. Yeah. Um, it's a good pairing of Zion, too. If they do get Kyle Lowry, we might be looking at a playoff team down in New Orleans, which is cool, but it's also fairly limited in yeah. terms of, you know, it, what are you looking at? A two-year playoff run where you get knocked in the first round? Maybe you get to the second. That doesn't seem like something that I would I would want to go for if I. Would I wonder
1: I wonder how much of it is just you know seeing Anthony Davis leave New Orleans New Orleans win a title, seeing Drew Holiday leave New Orleans win a title. Like how much of it is like yeah they're not going for the high end anymore. Yeah, obviously your ceiling is very high with Zion, but maybe there is just so much pressure they're like fuck it we just need to get to the playoffs man.
2: Like that's but, but that
1: I do think that, that is literally, literally how they the
2: lost Anthony Davis. But Yeah yeah <laughs> that's yeah. That is literally how they lost Anthony Davis. They got Anthony Davis, and they were like, "Oh fuck, we had this great player. We've got to win now. We've got to build around him. We've got to make the playoffs." And they're just going to do it again with Zion. And then Zion's going to ask out. He's going to go to the Lakers in a couple years, and they're going to be like, "What the hell just happened?" I'm just, yeah, I'm just I'm speaking the Lakers thing into existence. I don't know if that's actually. <laughs>
0: I mean, the other thing is that Zion's in year two of. The Pelicans controlling his NBA destiny for eight, um, and he's already grousing. Like he's there's already rumblings that he wants out. Like so clearly they, I I I think there's a degree to which it's both like, okay, we need to make moves to get us into playoffs now, and I also think there's a degree to which it's like, okay, we need to make moves uh, so we get in the playoffs some before Zion inevitably leaves.
2: And, and that that could definitely be it. I would just God, I'm glad I'm not a Pelicans fan. You yeah. know, if that's if that's the case. But and like shouts like shouts to everyone that like tore the Lakers apart when they didn't hire David Griffin. <laughs> Whenever he was available, like he's done such an amazing job down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. God like, he he won a championship because Lebron. Like. Right. People made him into something that he isn't because LeBron. But and anyway. then he
0: went to New Orleans and turned the seventh best odds into the number one pick. Right. And uh, then immediately like. A visionary. Yeah. Traded, overpaid for Steven Adams, and then re-signed him for too much money. Like.
2: Yeah. God. Right. It's, it's crazy. But um, do we have anything else on this deal? Do we want to move on to our kind of talking about the draft?
1: Yeah. Um, do we want to briefly, before we talk about the draft, talk about the rumors that the thunder were, had uh, this is from Jonathan Wasserman of he's the lead draft analyst for bleacher report. Now, uh, reporting that OKC made a quote, legitimate offer for number one, uh, to the Pistons who are reportedly exploring all options. They aren't just settled on Cade Cunningham yet. They are apparently considering Jalen green and Evan Mobley also, um, what do you guys think about that? Do you think there was actually a legitimate offer? Uh, what does a legitimate offer from OKC look like in your minds?
0: Ah, I bet there was a legitimate offer, but I think a legitimate offer is like, yeah, here's five firsts or something. Like, you know, the, the, OKC is capable of like an extraordinary number of offers that are legitimate without being serious, right? Anytime you're talking about trading away multiple future firsts, you're not joking around, but there wasn't any chance that Detroit was going to take it. I don't think.
2: And I think that this kind of trade is, is the exact is the exact reason why we were so kind of down whenever we got the sixth pick, because I do think it took trading for that number one pick off the table. And because it, it's been reported that Detroit really likes Jalen Green and Kay, and Evan Mobley. They're not 100% sold on Kate, uh, Kate Cunningham. And the fact that Oklahoma City didn't get a top three pick to where they could get so Detroit could get one of those guys anyways, I think that completely removes the possibility of this trade. Oklahoma City would be crazy not to try and do it. They have enough picks to like throw a trade and try to trade for anything. Yeah. But the fact that they can only give number six is the highest no, highest pick that they can trade that is guaranteed to be that high, you know. Yeah. And that's just not that's a no go for for Detroit, in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Like imagine if we had landed three and five. Right? Yeah. If they're really that interested in Evan Mowley, three, five, and two future firsts probably gets us to number one.
2: Oh, I don't even think it would take. Easily. I think it'd be yeah. like I think it's like three, five, and one feature first, maybe. Like three and five is a lot to give yeah. up. Yeah. To move up two it's spots. Like Luca and, you... and Trey. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, it might have just been three and five. Like traditionally, right. it just yeah. takes one extra pick. And if they feel really good about Mobley or Green, then maybe they're not, you know, yeah. they're thinking, oh, well, we can get one of those guys and we can go get Scotty Barnes or we yeah. can go get. Jalen sucks. Whoever, but um, yeah. sorry, I yeah, think I was
0: giving Detroit a little too much credit um, by suggesting that they wouldn't trade Cade Cunningham for Evan Mobley and Jonathan Kaminga. But
2: yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, I think the the Thunder are always they're always super aggressive. Preston's is yeah. one of the most aggressive GMs in the league, and you know it, it would it would not be doing his job if he wasn't calling one of his good friends up to be like, hey. Let's make a deal. You know, this is Troy Weaver. This is a guy he knows as well as anybody. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure yeah, that think, I think, I think it's just the
1: I think it's just the culmination of all our negative feelings on lottery night. Like you said, like there's a legitimate offer, and there's just simply nothing OKC can do to get up that high. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of even a bummer that it was even reported that like I had really I'd given up on it anyway. I didn't care. Um, so I mean, we have six now. Let's just focus on six. Like you said, obviously Presti has to do his job, but just don't report it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that that's about
0: all the draft news.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about that six pick.
0: Okay. So yesterday uh, we undertook a project. I created a Google form where I, as well as these two other, wonderful fellows um, took the top 40 uh, from Sam Vecini's big board minus the top, the consensus top four, and also minus David Johnson, whose name I forgot to put on the thing. So we'll get our David Johnson takes in at the end, I guess. Um, And I asked a pretty straightforward question, which is, uh, at which of Oklahoma City's, what is the lowest pick Oklahoma city could use? Lowest or highest? It's, um, you know, it was earliest. It
2: was, yeah. What was the earliest pick? Earliest is, I yeah. think, the
0: simplest way to say that.
1: What is the earliest Oklahoma it's City like could take pe- a person people, and you'd be satisfied? Uh, yeah. People run into that problem with betting draft props often as well. Yes. Like they, Vegas, and I think they do it intentionally. They phrase it, you know, over under 7.5 for James Booknight. It's like, oh, yeah, I think he's going to be drafted number six. Does that mean over or under? I don't know. I'm betting it. Like, it's just so confusing when you talk about draft order.
0: Yeah. So, earliest pick that you'd be satisfied with the selection. Um, we took. I took our answers. I averaged them out. Here is our consensus big board, everybody. Um, at the top, four players we consensus would be satisfied picking at six. Those are... Scotty Barnes, James Booknight, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody.
2: Yeah, do we want yeah, to rank yeah. those those kind of guys? And
0: yeah, I think that's they, I think they're that's all in a t- smart. tier together. This is like our this is our top tier of available prospects for the Thunder here.
1: Um, um, so, how, so me me personally, I would I really man, it's tough. I think. I guess I would go with Scotty Barnes just because he seems to have the highest upside. Um, he's probably not going to be there at this point. So like that gives me confirmation bias. Say, oh yeah, obviously I'm a smart guy for thinking he was the best one in six because he went four. Um, so I guess I'd probably put him first just because he has the highest upside. And then I'd go with Moody. Um, I just really like the size a little bit more than book night. Um, and then book night and Kaminga probably to wrap it up.
2: So I'm going to do mine a little bit differently um, in that I'm going to rank mine in terms of the level of excitement that I would have on, on draft night, not necessarily who I think is the best prospect. Um, so my number one is going to be James book Um I would just be, I just, there's something about James Booknight that really gets me excited. And I I think that the fit with Shea is fantastic. Um, He's a really high level scorer. We've talked a lot about him. You know, he has, he has playmaking problems that he just never did it at UConn, but there's just something about him that makes me think he's got more than what we've seen so far. Um, So he's my number one in terms of just, I I would love to see OKC draft that guy. Um, My second is actually going to be Moses Moody. Um, I think that, uh, similarly to, to book I think he might have another level that he just is, hasn't quite shown yet. And, you know, I've, I've, I've seen the Chris Middleton comparison thrown around with him and I don't hate it. I think he's a guy that is already scoring from the mid range and from three at a really high level. And he's really good at drawing fouls so, like that to me screams a guy who could be a really high level scorer in the NBA. Um, and then I'm going to go with Kaminga. At three, um, you know, everybody knows about him. He's ridiculously athletic. He's got great upside. And then Barnes is last because it would just be really hard for me. I mean, I, I would be fine with it. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. But it would just be really hard for me for us to have a guy that may be the second building block of our team that's going to be a shooting liability. You know, like that would just be difficult to swallow after all the years that we've sat here and watched Russell Westbrook brick the shit out of stuff, you know, seeing Steven Adams not be a shooting threat at all. You know, like I, I would prefer that our second building block on our uh, rebuilding team be able to at least have potential to be a high level shooter, like maybe Kaminga can, even though he's not a good shooter either right now.
0: Yeah. Um, it's hard to – ranking these guys is hard.
1: Yeah, uh, right, because if I were – and that's why I struggled with it first, too, because I was thinking the same way as Alex. If I were going off excitement, I would have bumped Scotty Barnes down to third in that list. I think I would have gone Moody, Booknight, Barnes, and then Kaminga. Um, like I said, the reason I put Barnes up there at the top is – because, you know, he is the quote unquote best prospect. Um, Yeah, I would definitely be more excited about the fit and the prospect of getting to watch a book night or or Moses Moody. Um, So, yeah, it depends the way you're looking at this situation. Yeah, you can put these four guys anyway. Yeah, I think
0: um, when it comes to excitement, I think on draft night, a lot is going to depend on who's still on the board. Uh, one of these guys is gonna be gone. Orlando is gonna take one of them, um, unless they do something really off the wall. Um, and if like Scotty Barnes is on the board and Oklahoma City takes James Booknight, I'm gonna be through the fucking moon. Like that's gonna be awesome because that means that like the Thunder really believe in James Booknight. Like, um, uh, to take him over Barnes, who basically everyone says is a better prospect um and it would be the same with moody um uh i think the prospect that gets me most excited is book night i think i agree with alex i think it goes book night um i think i go book night barnes Kaminga, moody um yeah i think that's my ranking of that tier
1: yeah that's perfectly fair and the point you made about yeah, the, the fact if they do pass on a Scotty Barnes or something, or even if they pass on Kaminga to take one of those guys, like that is an exciting thought that um, they really believe in Book or Moody to, you know, break from groupthink. You know, there's a pretty firm top six for the most part. And like Scotty Barnes, we at the time of the draft lottery, we were bummed that we were at six because we were like, oh, it's, you know, a five man draft and we're sitting at six and Scotty Barnes kind of worked his way into it. And then, so now it's kind of, is it a top four and then a two, but you know, however way you shake it, there's kind of a group thing consensus in the top six. And yeah, whenever you get an exciting player that a smart guy like Sam Presti drafts over who everyone else thinks is the guy like, yeah, that just brings an extra layer of excitement to it. All right.
2: Yeah. I think, but one last thing about this yeah. is that like there's, there's been so much kind of talk and theorization of, of what the new age thunder player is. And I just, the more I thought about it, the more I've kind of decided that I want to push back on that ideal because the, you know, they've every, we've been talking about, Oh, we want really versatile players that can dribble, shoot pass and all of that. And, you know, By that logic, Scotty Barnes, you know, sans the shooting seems like an incredibly Thunder-esque prospect. But I think really what the Thunder type is, is it's just upside, right? They want guys that, you know, they drafted Westbrook because he had a ridiculously high ceiling. No one saw him getting to where he was, but there were people I remember talking about him at the draft, that they were like, dude, this guy, if he really hits, he has the athleticism to be a ridiculous player on both ends. And i that, to me, is kind of what I see with Booknight, and it's the same kind of deal where he would be a bit of a reach like Russ was. And, you know, so my, it, I guess that's why I'm excited. It's just that it's like Sam Presti sees a level of upside in James Booknight that maybe not everyone else sees, and I'm willing to trust Sam Presty that he can be – spot on again.
0: Yeah, I mean, the reality with Booknight is that second to Jalen Green, I think he is the most bucket getter in this draft. Um, fair, fair assessment. And I think that's really exciting um, because I think starting a team that starts out with two guys who can go and get a fucking bucket is a good place to start.
1: Um, yeah, kind of disrespectful to Joe camp, but I get what you're saying. I cannot believe that. Okay. That moves us to on. our
2: next guy. Joe Wieskamp leads our next tier. You know?
0: <laughs> okay. So our next tier is uh, one player and that's uh, Jaden Springer. And really I just need Alex to explain why he'd be cool with the Thunder taking Springer at six.
2: I really like Jaden Springer, guys. I He's probably the guy that I've I've just grown really attached to the more I've watched him. And, you know, from a, from a just pure analytics standpoint, if you watch, see his analytical comparisons, it's like all really, really good players. You know, we're looking at Bradley Beal types and Devin Booker types, um, from just statistical profile. And then you look at him as a player. He's one of the youngest players in the draft. He's already a really good point of attack defender. Um, He, you know, there are questions about a shot. He did shoot 44% from three on low volume this year at Tennessee. I also, I think that there might be something to the fact that Rick Barnes is not a very good college basketball coach in terms of putting a coherent offense on the basketball court. And Jaden Springer had to be a part of that. And I don't think that did anyone any favors. I don't think it did Keon Johnson any favors either. And so I just think that there is a potential level that Jaden Springer can get to that can be very much Malcolm Brogdon-esque. And Malcolm Brogdon is a really freaking good basketball player in the NBA right now. Like, if you told anyone, oh, yeah, you're going to get a guy who is young and has put, could be Malcolm Brogdon in, like, three or four years, I don't think anyone's turning that down from where we are in the draft position at six. I think it's So fair. that's my Jaden Springer yeah. take.
0: Um. I do think, ultimately, like so many players in this draft, um, it comes down to the first sentence of the last paragraph of San Vecini's breakdown. At the end of the day, all that matters is if he can shoot.
2: I think he can shoot. He had great touch. He finished really, really well around the rim this year. I don't think his free throw numbers were particularly bad, um, if I'm not mistaken. I he shot goodness.
0: 81% from three or from, from, to, sorry, from the line
2: sorry jesus <laughs> yeah so great great from the line you know and yeah his his 3 point percentage was incredible on low volume but it that's better than being okay or bad on low volume the fact that it was 44% you know it's not like he was out there at 25% on low volume so that to me is is encouraging and yeah i just i just really like jaden springer and i think that there is a a scenario in which he has a similar career to a guy like Jalen sucks. I'm not betting on that, but I don't think it's impossible that that could happen.
0: Yeah. Okay. I get it. Um, and that, I mean, yeah, that's the reason. I mean, I think Sam and I both said we'd be happy taking him at 16. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's in this tier. Um, any, any other thoughts on Jaden Springer from Sam? No,
1: I don't really have a lot.
0: Yeah, I, um, I like his defensive tape a lot. He's a great on-ball defender. Him and Dort um, would be just insane. Um, questions about the shooting in that lineup, but it's fine. All right, moving on to our next tier. These are the Consensus 16 guys. Um, these are the guys. Um, there's two guys here um actually you know what i'm going to include the um the net we're going to make this a little five person tier just to make this a little more clear um so you've got usman garuba josh giddy kai jones alperin shangun and trey murphy the third
2: yeah and just just to be clear those last three guys that means that two of the Two of the three of us picked 16, and one of us picked 18. That's
0: correct. On each so of, each Kai of Jun, those guys. So Kai Jones, Shangoon, and Murphy um, all in sort of the bottom half of the tier based on the way we voted.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll go ahead and rank rank my my guys in this tier. Um, I would go. I would go Shangoon number one. I would go Garuba. Number two, I would go Josh Giddy three, Trey Murphy, four, and Kai Jones, five, out of that group. And I can talk about that more later, but let's do someone else's. All right,
0: Sam, give us your ranking.
1: Yeah, I was trying to look at exactly what I ranked them yesterday, but out of those guys, so I had Jaden Springer in this tier as well, but out of those guys, um, I think I would go with Josh Giddy. Then Trey Murphy, Shangoon, Kai Jones, Garuba. Um, and for me, kind of this tier, what I had at 16, 18, how I differentiated at the differentiated them. like I had shingoon at the 18 pick. and it's like, okay, there's not a huge difference between 16 and 18. And it's kind of like my 18 is dependent on 16. So for 16, I kind of reserved as who I would take is both good upside, and a good fit, like uh, what I think Jaden Springer could be. I think Trey Murphy is, you know, he's he projects as a role player, but I think he projects as a high-level role player where I would consider it upside. Um, he's also very young, so it's not just a, like an Iodosunmu kind of guy where, you know, it's strictly role player. There's upside as well. Whereas 18, I reserve that for guys with – just high upside, not the best fit. Um, I think that, personally, I think that's Shingun. Um, or uh, guys that are a high floor, but not the most upside, where, like, guys we'll talk about later. I put, like, a Chris Duarte here, um, Io DeSoonmu, Shreve Cooper. Guys that, depending on who you take at 16, if you get just a solid guy there, then I think you can take – a massive swing or a guy that you're just trying to get some production out of and flip later, do that at 18. But that is my long way of saying that I would go with Giddy, Murphy, Shingun, Kai Jones, Usman Gruva. Okay.
0: Um, I have difficulty with this tier because I have difficulty with Shingun. Um, I vacillate between him being like the top of this ranking and the bottom. Mm-hmm. um and it's in enti- basically it's just because i don't know what position he'll play or rather i do know what position he'll play i just don't think he'll play defense doing it um so i guess i go like giddy i guess i put Shangoon in the middle uh so i would go probably giddy garuba Shangoon, kai jones trey murphy um And I feel bad that Trey Murphy's at the bottom because one of the things Alex and I have talked about is that there just aren't a lot of genuine forwards in this class who are like, yeah, I'd be happy with that guy. Trey Murphy's one of the only ones. Um, But yeah, I think the upside of Giddy as a playmaker, uh, the upside of Garuba as a defender, those put them at the top of this. Shangoon is such a wild card because he's so offensively skilled and I just don't understand how he plays defense in the NBA. Um, and then Kai Jones and Trey Murphy are two guys where I just think like, yeah, these would be good players to have. Kai Jones, super athletic, uh, big, who could potentially stretch the floor. That's always useful. Trey Murphy, a big wing who can really shoot it. Also always useful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the way I kind of, put it is that i i think if everything goes right for these guys i think shangun's the best player out of I this agree. group if everything goes well because he is outlier good offensively potentially like if he hits as an offensive guy you're just not even going to fucking care about his defense like he's going to average 25 and 12 or something crazy or 22 and 12 and yeah you might have some problems in the playoffs but you work around it in that regard. So, um, and then Garuba, similarly to Shangun in terms of his offensive potential, it's just defense with Garuba, right? Like this guy could be the best defender in this class. Um, he's probably the best defender in the class right now. I mean, he played big time European basketball at in the best league in the world outside of the NBA, and he was a great defender in that league. Basically, Garuba it turns into if this fucking guy can shoot the basketball at any kind of level, then you're looking at a great player to have, right? At worst, he's a backup center at best. He's a guy that can really anchor your defense from a switching standpoint, from a rim protection standpoint. And that to me is super valuable. Even if he has some offensive deficiencies within that.
1: Yeah, you know. yeah, for sure. And, and that's why it's tough. I, I like all these guys. Like I do like Garuba, but it is dependent on, you know, where you go with the other pick for me. I feel I'm definitely the outlier on Shingun. I think um, Ryan talked about how he had, he contemplates putting Shingun at the bottom this year also. So it sounds like he might have some reservations that I share, but like you said, I I see it if everything goes well. And the one thing that does um, that has made me like question my doubt of of Shangun is seeing him do so many things like off balance, off platform. Some of his post moves like they don't make sense Um, like they like his his body mechanics just like he shouldn't be able to score like that. And so it's it's whether you think that you know, he is just a crazy skilled guy, like he looks to be, and you think he'll be able to do that in the NBA, or if it's like, the slightest increase in competition level, like he will not be able to do those off platform things anymore. And it's like, I, I have those doubts about him, I see him move, I see a lot of people call him fluid. And I just don't see like that much mobility for him in transition, like he gets out there and he does it, he's willing to run, he runs effectively but like it looks like he is having to give it 120 percent effort just to move his body like it looks like it hurts him to run to me he doesn't look like a natural runner and like I said he does it and he does it great in Turkey but you know how is he going to do it in the NBA like is he still is that 120 percent he's giving Still going to look the same when he's running in the NBA? Maybe. And I'll probably look like an idiot because a lot of guys might not give that same effort to run back on defense, and he'll look just fine. So I could definitely be wrong. I just see a wide range of outcomes for Shingun. And so that's why I I keep the most reservations for him, keeping him low. But like I said, depending on who you get, I'm perfectly fine with, with him being one of those two picks
2: one of the things with Shangun that intrigues me as a you know because there's no question the defense is is troubling right it's a huge concern for Shangoon but one of the things that I do like about his defense is that he is purely limited by physical factors right like yeah. it's there is there is no lack of IQ on that end of the court, in my opinion, other than, you know, he's a young guy. Like I'm not saying he's perfect. He's not Garuba in that way, but he is very young and he's an extremely intelligent player But I think that he can be a guy that, you know, he's not going to switch out on the perimeter. You're going to have to play drop coverage with him, but I think he is a guy that can smartly defend on and get to a point where he's not a disaster on that end. And then I do I just buy his offense. I think he's gonna be a good shooter. I think he's gonna be a guy that you know if there's any kind of mismatch for him, he's gonna do really well in that situation. So yeah. that's kind of where I land on on Goon. How do how do you feel about Kai Jones? I know that um, Sam had him above of Garuba. What is what do you like so much about Kai Jones, Sam?
1: Um I I, I just like I don't know, he's Insanely athletic, and obviously Garuba is insanely athletic as well. I just see he doesn't have much less defensive upside than Garuba does, but I think he has slightly more offensive upside than Garuba does. Um, and so that's really the only thing I've maybe slightly put him ahead. I think he has a better chance at being a shooter or being a, a roller to the basket than Garuba. Um, and at the end of the day, I think you can probably find decent post defense better than decent post offense. And that might be completely misguided. Um, but I just, the way the two, the deficiencies I see for those two and their, you know, their plush traits, I just weigh Kai Jones is just a bit more, I think.
2: Yeah, I just, I'm not, to me, Garuba is just so far ahead of Kyle, Kai Jones from just a, understanding of the game scenario kai jones is like he's unbelievably raw like i i like him in that he is a swing that i think is worth taking because you know there. if you watch his highlights you're like oh shit this is the next kevin garnett you know um but having watched him against in big 12 competition this year it was like he would do that like two or three times a game the rest of the time it's like oh there's a really tall guy out there what is he doing you know Mm -hmm. like he's not really doing a lot um and and so that to me really scares me um and then I also think that I think I heard a a stat that Kai Jones was just horrendous as a role man this past year he doesn't Mm -hmm. really know how to set screens and he's bad finishing in that setting um and I that scares me like because that is going to have to be like his role offensively. Mm. He's going to have to be a role man of sorts in order to really do much on that end. You can't just be a spot up shooter um, as a center, in my opinion, Mm. um, to really be effective. So um, I am worried about his offensive role defensively. You know, he can be a bit of a train wreck at times, but he is like every now and then he just guards a wing and he just looks like a wing doing it. You know, he looks like an elite defender at times whenever he's out on guards and stuff, and it's super impressive. So, um, I mean, I I put him at 16, right? I mm-hmm. would be perfectly willing to take him at 16. I think it's a good swing, but uh, I just like Aruba a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, and for, for me, it's like
1: if you – it depends. Like I said, it depends what you do at 16. If you take a higher floor guy like Trey Murphy or if you reach – know like. Uh, Corey Kispert's name is coming to mind that Alex would hate but if you take a high floor guy at 16 then I'm going to want Kai Jones at 18 and just take that big swing but if you take a swing on Jaden Springer or Keon Johnson at 16 then I'm probably going to want to go with Garuba at 18 who you know pretty well what he's going to be and then maybe there's a little bit more hope for some upside Um, so it's really dependent on what that 16 pick does for me to rank those two
2: Sure. Sure. Um, and then with Josh Giddy, how do we, how do we feel about him? Um, um, I, yeah, I, I, I mean,
1: really, he, he, he plays really fluidly. I like, I like watching him play. It's tough to say. Um, you know, when you watch a guy playing in Australia, like how good is the competition? We know they play tough in Australia. Um, like he's an 18 year old kid playing in Australia. So it's, It's really hard to say. A lot of it comes from projection that, like, you know, a lot of other NBA evaluators seem to like him. So, like, there's got to be something to him. Um, He's a fun, upbeat guy. Like, seems like he'd be a good teammate. But, yeah, I I personally don't have a lot to go off of other than the few highlights you see him play in Australia look really fluid, really. Like, there's a, a solid role for him. And then the confirmation bias of a lot of other people liking him. Yeah. It seems like, like he seems like an extremely high level
0: playmaker, especially for his size, um, which is the biggest thing. Um, at the same time, he's a guy who's coming in and the shot isn't there yet, and he's probably not going to defend very well. Um, if the shot gets there, the defense won't matter um, because he'll be like, you know, a six foot eight guy who can playmake with the best of them and get his own shot. Um, he's not super athletic, but like Sam says, he seems to play fluidly, which is good. Um, but yeah, other than, like other than that, I think um, I mean the questions about the sh- about what it. I, I really think a lot of this comes down to whether or not you think the shot will ever get there.
2: Yeah, and you know he's shown such a varied skill set at his young age that I. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he's got a pretty good chance to become a, a pretty good shooter. Um, I don't know if that's – I don't know what I would put us as a percentage. Well, what I'll say about the – we talked about the defense won't matter at that point. And I think that there the caveat when you say defense won't matter is that it always needs to be followed by in the regular season because the defense always matters in the playoffs. You know, like there is if you have a guy like Josh Giddy who can't defend in the playoffs, you're going to run up against someone that finds that matchup and goes to it over and over again. And you lose a playoff series because of it. Right. And so um, that is one of the reasons why I'm a little bit lower on him is defensively. um, He does have a long ways to go. Again, I think he'd be a perfectly acceptable pick at 16. Like, I have no problem with that. Um, I just – you know, next to Shea, it's kind of a weird fit, right? Like, he's – we would be having two relatively big ball handlers, which is cool, but two that are kind of small from, like, a – like, just skinny standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they're just not – I don't know how well they complement each other. So – Again, not a bad pick at at 16, but it's still a little scary to me in that regard.
0: Okay. Do we have any other thoughts about this tier?
2: No. Ah, Trey Murphy's cool. I like him. I think he's going to be a a good 3-and-D wing. That's nice.
0: Okay. Moving on, we've got another single-player tier here. Um, Josh Primo. Joshua Primo from the University of Alabama. Youngest player in the draft, I think, definitively now. I think he already was, but now it's not even close because uh, Roko Prkacich is out.
2: Yeah, can we just do the next four guys in one tier because they're fairly close?
0: I mean, yeah, we can. Um, so you got Primo, <laughs> Primo, Josh Primo, Jared Butler, Cam Thomas, and Io De Sumo. Actually, three. Actually, four guys who are all pretty similar. Um,
2: yeah, they're all combo guard types.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk about why we have them in this order then.
1: Um, yeah, I'll I'll start talking about Primo. I like Primo, I think is, you know, the, the perfect kind of what I was talking about, the blend of high upside and there's a good fit. Like he played off ball with a lot of different creators, uh, at Alabama this year, but also like going into college, his thing was that he was a creator. Like most of these guys are in high school. Um, he's got good size, good length, uh, really athletic. He looked like he shot well, he played really well at the NBA combine. And really the only downside is that we didn't see a lot of him this year. Cause there was a lot of talent on that Alabama team. So it's like, if this was a guy that was coming out next year, he might be someone that you'd be looking at with the sixth pick or looking at in the lottery. And like, you have absolutely no chance of getting him at 18, or if you trade into the back of the first round, whatever you do. Um, so I just like the the swing on Primo there. That's why I have him top out of those guys.
2: Yeah, I'll say if, if the Thunder don't draft Booknight at six, I really, really want them to draft Primo at 16 or 18. You know, like if we wind up with uh, Kaminga or Barnes especially at six, then getting a guy like Primo that, you know, he's a couple years younger than Booknight – it's not impossible that he can turn into a book night type player in my opinion. Um, he's, he's definitely far away from that right now. Like I'm not saying that, but, um, everything Sam said, I, I like that, right? Like he shot it really well this year as an off ball player and his theoretically is his game is not even that like he, he filled a role that he was probably uncomfortable with and did it at a pretty good level on a really good basketball team. Um, and that is really important. So he could probably come to the NBA even if he's super young and find his way onto the court and not look out of place. And so that's, that to me is why Primo is, is the, the highest of this, this guy. He's probably, out of all of these players, the worst today in terms of just a, literally at basketball. He's worse than these other guys. But looking at what he could be in three or four years, then that's like, okay, that, that could really be something.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the only reason not to take Primo here if he's available is if you think he's going to be available later. This is the first uh, guy on this list that we've really, um, really disagreed with the uh, placement by Sam Vecini, who has him wow. as the 34th player in this class. Um, wow. But I just the reality is like he shot the fuck out of the ball. At Alabama it was like what shot watching him shoot was really impressive yeah um and I think he's got more than that and he's so young um you know we talked about the Thunder guy having upside Josh Primo has some of the most upside of any player in this class um so yeah
2: yeah once you get that past that like kind of top six like he's probably top ten from an upside standpoint in this draft. And that's, so that to me is, is worth a a swing. Um, I, I go to Jared Butler next is kind of the next guy on the list and he's who I would have second in this tier. Um, he got cleared medically recently. He's just really good at basketball today. Like he could probably come in and help an NBA basketball team next year. Um, good defender he played on a played on the best team in the country last year shoots it really well he just does a lot of things at a really good level you know i wouldn't say he's like this amazing player at any one specific thing but he is he's good at a lot of stuff um cam thomas buckets i mean the dude yeah, is I mean, just, that's what he is he's a bucket and like if you know, if there's one thing you I feel like we learned watching the playoffs this year, like having secondary players that can get you a bucket like there's no reason Cam Thomas can't have a playoff run like Reggie Jackson did this year. You know, like just get hot for a couple weeks and fucking almost set the playoff record for most threes. Right. Like that's that's Cam Thomas to like he took ridiculously hard shots, so it like nuked his percentage, but he is a good shooter. And you know, he might not ever defend well. He's probably never gonna be a great playmaker, but the dude is a bucket, capital letters on all of those. Um and then Io desunmu guy was one of the best players in college basketball this year. Um, legitimate two-way potential. The shot is a concern. Um, otherwise he'd probably be way higher. You know, if he was – if he was a legitimate shooter that everyone felt good about in that regard, he's probably a lottery pick because he was just good at Illinois this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's been good at Illinois for several years too. Um, yeah, I, I see, like, real uh, Jalen Brunson-type potential for him, just like a solid dude. You know, you can count on him. He's proven it for years that he can do it, even if he's just an average shooter – like, he's going to be fine. He's going to work his ass off. Like, I I like Sunu a lot, especially, you know, for a team other than OKC, a team that, you know, wants that backup point guard type just to win right now. Um, I think Sunu would be great. I think I have Cam Thomas second after Josh Primo in this tier just because I like the upside. You said it. He's a bucket. Um, and depending on, like I said, with 16-18 – depending on which one you go upside with, like I would be fine with, you know, Cam Thomas at either of those um, same with Primo at either of those. And I think, you know, if you go Primo at 16, I'm totally cool with Jared Butler at 18, like go guard heavy. You know what you have in Jared Butler. He's a great shooter. Um, he works hard on defense. I don't really, I mean, looking at this, we all have the, the same opinions on Davion Mitchell, but I don't, really don't get why Davion Mitchell is a projected top 10 guy and his teammate, Jared Butler, who's bigger, uh, more proven shooter. Like he's so far down on most people's boards. Um, I get, you know, he was just recently medically cleared. So that probably uh, factored into a lot of it early on and maybe people just haven't adjusted or whatever. Um, And Jared Butler, his, not Jared Butler, uh, Davion Mitchell's defense is great, but, I mean, Jared Bellar's defense was good too. He was a solid defender. He wasn't, you know, probably didn't deserve All Big Twelve defense. Uh, he's a solid defender, and I mean, yeah, I think at, at one of these spots, I'd be perfectly happy with him.
2: I think the thing with Davion is that it just his defense is kind of perceived as like game changing defense, which yeah. I think might be overstating it a little. I bit mean, yeah, I,
1: I get it. He he shows that, but he, the dude's six two, like that no, was like six foot
2: oh really short like he is really short and he doesn't make up for it in wingspan either so like right this is like a lot of people
1: just talk about the mentality for davion mitchell like he's a dog and i get that but man being a dog like javon carter is a dog he has he he hasn't amounted to much coming into the nba yeah i mean i'm probably
0: lower than on jared butler than a lot of people because of his size and he's much bigger than davion mitchell yeah like yeah um you know with uh Jared Butler, you're talking a guy 6'3, 6'5 wingspan. I I kind of don't want the Thunder to ever draft another person under 6'5 ever again. Um, but there's there's literally no need to. Um like I think I would like another bigger guard to pair next to Shea. Um, Jared Butler's gonna be great in the NBA, but I don't feel like the Thunder are in a position where they need to be drafting players like Jared Butler. I think they can be more choosy about what types of players they'd like to get, which is one of the reasons I like Ayu Sumo is because he's six five with six ten wingspan. Now the shooting's a concern with Sumo, but yeah. that's that's a whole other thing. I think uh, this wouldn't, tier it's definitely Primo.
2: Wouldn't you guys say? I kind of want to change my pick to put Butler last in this tier, to be honest, because Butler will help the Thunder more than these other guys, right? Like. If we draft Primo, he's not going to be helpful to the team next year. If we draft Cam Thomas, he's not going to be – he's going to score. He might get buckets. to right? Like, if there's a problem with him, it's a shooting. That's going to be a problem. You know, I don't want a guy that's really going to help us next year in this spot, you know? So, like, maybe mm-hmm. I should bring – you know, Jared Butler would be great on the Lakers, who are picking a few picks after this. You know, mm-hmm. he'd be great. would be great in Atlanta or something that they're trying to win now. But yeah, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him in in Oklahoma City. So, um, one thing I, I was as I was looking at our at our big board, I, I found a flaw in our in our big board. Okay, oh, what's that? Um, the flaw is that. I look at our list, and we have Corey Kispert towards the bottom. We have Sharif Cooper towards the bottom. We have Duarte towards the bottom.
0: Right. These are guys who are objectively better than a lot of the guys around them. But we don't want –
1: I put them where they belong.
0: (laughs) I think the reality is we have a lot of guys who who are legitimate mid-late first guys who we don't want to take in the mid-late first. And we won't be available in the second.
2: That's exactly right, and so that kind of skewed their ranking to be lower than it really should have been. I don't feel bad about having Corey Kispert that low because I w- I just don't want to take him. But like, I mean, Sharif Cooper in the second round is fine, you know. Like, I would take a risk on a playmaker like that. Um, but yeah, he's not going to be there in the second round, so I just put don't want essentially. But I guess. Really, what we should have done is said, "Yeah, we would take him if if they were somehow in the second round, you know." But we didn't, and I don't feel too bad about it. But mm-hmm. that's just a flaw that I've I've kind of found uh, in our in our big board. But it's fine. Yeah, we're Once not we're we not get, professionals.
0: Yeah. Once we get um, past, we've got two more guys who consensus we all three of us said didn't say, "I don't want the Thunder to draft this person." okay uh, um and that's Joey Scamp and Trey Mann. So that rounds up our s- 16 players who all three of us said the thunder if they draft him I'd be fine.
2: Right. Yeah, in their in the kind of relative position kind of Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like Wee Camp to me it's like you know him and Kispert are similar in my eyes in terms of like, I would rather have Camp as a second-round pick. That's why I wouldn't take Kispert in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, just take the other white guy in the second round. You know, don't don't give up a first-round pick on a, on a pure shooter. But that's what he is. Uh, he's kind of weird in that he shot, like, in the 60s from the free-throw line um, at Iowa, which is odd because he was such a good three-point shooter. And he's mm-hmm. also, like, a good athlete. Like, you know, like, he tested really well athletically, so – I think there's something there with Reese camp. Trey Mann is just a good basketball player. I don't know. Like he does a lot of things well from the kind of lead guard position. And I think he's going to have defensive problems in the NBA, Um, but he might be a guy that can distribute a little bit and score in a relatively unique way in the NBA. So that's kind of my stance on those two.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot to add on either of them I think oh, you, yeah I think on them both I'm, I'm fine with both of them don't necessarily want to reach at 18 yeah. um, if you one of those early seconds love it
0: cool yeah now that we've reached the part of the board where some of us said I don't want to draft this person uh, how do we want to handle this do we want to actually go through all of this or do we want to just focus on some important players in this section that we feel like deserve? Well, let's
2: how about we go through? each one quickly and we'll have the person that said they wouldn't draft them explain why that is that you wouldn't draft them please okay um gonna so kian to. is kian is first right i've got the list here if you want me to go through it yeah okay so Keon is first i think i might have been the only one who said he would draft them but
1: um, I, thought, I thought i did um i can't do you yeah. still have? Okay, yeah. Here's the list of results, not just the total one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said I didn't want to draft Keon, and I think
0: as Alex pointed out, it has a lot to do with where Keon will be available. Um, right. If he's there in the second, you know, sure, fine. I think I actually think there are players in the second I would rather draft, but um, with Keon, you know, you're talking about a guy broke the combine vertical record, just. An absurd athlete um, and an extremely raw
1: basketball player. Yeah, yeah. You and I both said Keon at sixteen. Alex okay. and uh, Ryan didn't want to draft him,
2: so Ryan skewed it very low. So, what is it? What is it about Keon that you hate? Why do you hate him so much,
1: Ryan?
0: Just he doesn't have basketball tools. Like he's a, an incredible athlete, but he can't sh- like. Of the things you do on a basketball court, what does he do well? Yeah, yeah, very, very very fair.
2: Fair. It is a lot of projection with him, right? And the reason why I have him at 16, I would be fine. I I've kind of, he's kind of grown on me a little bit. Like, I do think that potentially he is a guy that could wind up being one of those players that puts a lot of pressure on the rim um, because he's so athletic and, um, and Tennessee again, yeah, not a like, great situation Tennessee for any bad program. Play. He played with a bunch of shitty, right? He played with a bunch of shitty players, and they underachieved. So there's a possibility that Keon, there is a basketball player in there after all, um, and he's the kind of guy that his shooting numbers are really bad. One of the things that I like about him is that he can get his shot anytime he wants even if it doesn't necessarily go in he's not necessarily afraid to take it either so um, I, there's potential there i'm not I'm not wild about him like I would die if we took him at six like that would suck but like you know at 16 I could I could live with it there are other guys I would rather take but I could live with him at 16.
1: Yeah, like um, I, I don't want to swing on Keon Johnson and Sharif Cooper at sixteen and eighteen, but if yeah. you get a, a really solid guy at one of those, sure, swing on Keon there.
2: Yeah. How about uh, How about Franz Wagner? I think we're. Um, uh...
1: I think I just ranked him low because yeah, I think I uh, obviously don't want him at six. I don't think he'll be there at sixteen or eighteen. I I think he. I think I, yeah, I put him at sixteen. Um, so I didn't even put him in the second round um i think he's he's fine um i think he'd be um a better mo Wagner. it seems like i mean he's very similar to his brother he's fairly skilled offensively um, not an insane athlete or anything i think he has good skills um and he'd be one of those like solid kind of guys if he is there 16 or 18 um he'd be solid and you'd get something decent out of him and maybe flip him
2: so he's He's definitely more more wing than Franz. Franz than, than, than Mo, Mo yeah. the Mo, yeah. yeah. Like Franz is like Franz was a legitimate like defensive player of the year candidate at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like he is incredibly ins- instinctual off ball. Like he's not like kind of the the Robert Covington thing where you can blow by him, mm-hmm. but he's very smart off the ball, and that's a really valuable skill to have. Um, so there is that. Um, honestly I might have him higher on my have a higher opinion of him if I hadn't seen his last game against UCLA where he just sucked. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the last the lasting image in my head is him having a wide open shot to win the game and airballing.
1: Yeah, not great.
0: I mean, if he's Robert Covington, then taking him in the first round is a great idea. Um If he's not, then it's not. That's—I mean—that's a simplification. But the real, like, if he can actually—if he's actually really impactful off ball and can shoot open threes, then that's a good player. It's not going to make anybody like jump out of their seats. Um, But yeah, I think that's where I'm at with Franz Wagner. Um, I think there—I think there are picks in his range that would make me jump out of my seat, and he's not one of them.
2: Yeah, let's let's go on to let's go on to Zaire Williams. Mm-hmm. We already talked about that uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm having trouble yeah, I'm, we're, I'm having trouble finding the list that listed each of our individual things, but I um, can't remember so what yeah. I said about Zaire. You,
1: you had uh Zaire is undrafted. Uh, Ryan had him at 18, I had him at
2: sixteen. Okay, okay, so uh yeah. variety of so it's here. Yeah, so I guess I should explain why I wouldn't want to draft Sire Williams essentially. Yeah. Um, And this is one of those guys where I was just kind of dumb, and I would take him to second. Like, I don't have a problem with him in the second round. Um, But I I just – he was bad this year. He was really bad. Um, He was in a horrible situation. I should give him some credit for that. Like, I should give – you know, him maybe even more leeway than I do for a guy like Keon Johnson because of the situation. And it wasn't even like, but for a bad coach, it was like Stanford was not in Stanford. They were staying in hotels all year. So um, that's, that's a problem. I think I I heard he had a death in his family. Like, so it was just a bad year for Zyra Williams. Um, But the, the, the main reason why I'm fairly low on him is that he is super, super skinny and, that scares me in regards to him guarding anything above a two in the league. Um, And if he can't guard threes and fours, then his value defensively is like significantly lower, even with his length. If he's just not strong enough to deal with threes and fours, or at least like good threes and fours, then his value defensively is like torpedoed. And if his value defensively is torpedoed, then I don't see the value of him as a player.
1: Yeah, that's those are all definitely fair. Um, yeah. I really have him in my spot because, like I said, with a lot of those guys, he's a he's a pretty big upside swing. Um, there was reason for him to be such a highly rated recruit. Um, and I think there's definitely still something in there. And like I have said, a lot of these guys, I would like to take one big swing and one guy that, you know, what you're getting. And I think he could I would be fine with him being the the big swing that you take in that 16, 18 range.
0: Yeah, I think I had him at 18 because I think if you give him the benefit of the doubt for the absurdity of his situation, um, then you're still you're looking at a guy who should be good at basketball. Um, and yeah, but other than that, I think your concerns are valid. They're
1: yeah. going to have to
2: shoot it. Oh, yeah. Like all these sure, guys
1: going to have to shoot it. Absolutely. That's really it. Yeah.
2: Um, Isaiah Jackson is another guy on the last podcast. I talked about him as, as being a guy I I really kind of like, He's like a 16 or 18 pick. Um, why did he wind up being lower for you guys?
1: Um, I think I want to say I put him as a second rounder just because, I mean, he's a center for the most part. I mean, I think he does have, yeah, I, I have him at 30. So as a second rounder, um, I think for the most part, I just, I just see him in the late first range. Um, we don't have a pick in the late first. So, yeah, I was thinking that uh, 35 is at our first pick in the second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't want to take him at 18, and 35 is our next 34. Okay, I knew – I at one point I thought it was supposed to be 34. Um, so, yeah, I, I would be fine with him at that pick, or I'd be fine if we trade back in the first and get him there. It's 34, 34 is the pick we don't have, right? We have 30 or 35 is the
0: pick we don't have, right? We have 34 and 36 or yes, okay. I believe that's okay. the case. That's funny. Um, my deal with Isaiah Jackson comes down to a couple sentences here from Sam Vecini's uh, big board offensively. The key is to keep things as simple as possible. And then in his weaknesses is column uh, took more jumpers than you'd think about one per game, made them at a 23% clip, and a lot of them just weren't even close. Um, that's that's concerning. Um, yeah. Again, probably, again, not a guy I would actually be mad if we took in the second round at all, but... Right. Yeah, he's not going to be there, though.
2: Um, like, the reason why I kind of actually like him, and, you know, relative to you guys, is that, like, I do think that he could be a legitimate shot blocker like i i saw a thing where he's he's really good at blocking shots with both hands which i think is a really important for a a rim protector um that will help him stay out of foul trouble hopefully um and then like yeah like you said keep the role simple offensively i don't really want a center that doesn't have a simple role offensively unless they're like a superstar so that that doesn't bother me you know, and then defensively, if he can protect the rim and switch on the perimeter, then that's a good center. You know, uh, so that's that's kind of my my take on Isaiah Jackson. So I don't have you know, a lot more than that. Uh, what about a uh, what about Bones? How do we feel about Bones Highland?
1: Um, I, I great name, a plus name, um, definitely on the the all name team. I wish we could have got to see him in the NCA tournament. Um, I think VCU was supposed to play Oregon, and VCU had a COVID outbreak, so they did not get to play. Um, really, would have liked to see him on a on that level, but he was, you know, a great creator at VCU, a, a great shooter. Was he the kind of guy? Did he take some? I want to say he took like a lot of pretty tough threes too. Um, took a lot of pull yeah. ups, um, a lot of step backs. So the fact that he shot, I think, yeah, thirty seven percent, taking a lot of tough shots good um so i think yeah. he's a real shooter he's a bit undersized um
2: but i would have y'all like have y'all watched highlights of him
1: yeah his highlights are a lot of fun
2: they are there's like steph curry of college it's yeah. it's kind of awesome to watch but um uh, ryan you were you were by far the lowest uh on bones what's your uh, hesitation yeah
0: for? uh his name is bones he's six 175 pounds he reminds you too much of David Boreanis <laughs> Right. Bones is a thing that happens before basketball. Um, (laughs) No, um, it's he's he's just so far away from being uh, an NBA body, um, which is concerning. Though he would have time here. Um, And then the other thing is um, Sam Vecini talks about this a bit. Um, You know, the shooting is incredible, um, but not exactly a great playmaker um, prone to missing things um, in search of his shot, which is maybe understandable if you're at VCU and you're pulling up from like 30 feet or whatever. But, you know, I think that that's my concern with bones.
2: Yeah. Cool. And so as to not, I don't think we need to go through every player on the list, but is there anyone that we haven't talked about that? Somebody really wants to, to mention that they're maybe higher on or lower on. It was like a kind of an outlier thing. Um, not necessarily.
1: I like Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes, both as guys I think are high upside guards that could, um, or maybe high, high floor guards, I should say, with a decent bit of upside. I think could play, uh, with OKC, play with Shea, but also prove themselves enough to be a tradable asset in the future as well yeah
2: um, yeah the, those are just a couple of them the one guy I guess I'll talk about is is Kessler Edwards because um, I was the one person that was willing to take him in the first round and he was actually the only guy that I put 18 on because everybody else I was like there's very little difference between 16 and 18 to me. So I'm just going to, if I'm okay with him at 18, I may as well be okay with him at 16. Kessler was a little different because I do like he is, I I don't see a lot of upside with him. Um, And his shot while it goes in is is a little weird, Um, but he's the kind of guy that if he's our third first round pick, I feel pretty good about it. You know, if we get two other guys that I like, and then, and then we bring in Kessler Edwards as our 18th pick. Like, I, I feel fine about how that would go. He's a legitimate potential three and D wing that can guard two through four probably pretty effectively. Um, he was a guy that on his, his college team, yeah, he played in the back conference and West Coast Conference. He was like a 20-point-per-game scorer. Um, so, like, you know, there is some offensive skill set there. Um that maybe could contribute him to being a little bit, even more than a three, three ND player. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's my kind of one outlier because yeah, I was the only one willing to, to go first round for, for Kessler Edwards. Yeah.
1: And I think, I, I think I put him at uh second round for me at that 34 pick. Like yeah. I said, I wouldn't mind him being a, our third, first rounder. If our third, first rounder was at 24, I'd be happy with him there. 18 yeah. sure depending on who you get but i think 18 is a little rich for me
2: yeah yeah it's a huge reach in my in my regard like it's only a huge reach but i like him mm. any anybody you want to you want to talk about ryan um let's real can we talk about Jalen johnson yeah can we talk, talk, talk about, about Jalen, Jalen johnson
0: uh frankly probably gotten more flack than he deserves for me for sharing a last name with keon johnson um but at the same time like not a prospect i'm super high on it's
1: it's a really tough look to not be either the best player with your own first name or your own last name in the draft but he's the second best Jalen and the second best johnson in this draft it's so like that's you think he's the second tough. best Jalen. Are there more than – I'm only – the only one I can think of is – oh, there's two Jalens at the top. He's the third best Jalen. He's the third best yeah. Jalen, the second best Johnson. Like,
2: bad uh, look. We're going we're gonna to have Sam talk about him because he actually has Jalen Johnson, number three on yeah. the board. <laughs> yeah, he
1: so. goes, uh, sucks Johnson then.
2: <laughs> then green, so. Yeah. Yeah, Jalen Johnson is scary as hell to me. Like he is. Like I could see a world where he fills a role similar to what um, people see Scotty Barnes filling. Um, I could see a world where he never plays NBA basketball at a high level. Um, there's just so much there, um, potentially speaking. Like. Know before the season he was a pretty consensus top ten pick. Some people even still have him there because of his potential as a he is a big ball handler that can pass right now. He is also a big ball handler that can't shoot. And I think if there's one if there's a skill that's overrated, it's passing in the league, if it's not accompanied by shooting at all. Right. So um that to me, like if you if he can't shoot it, then He's not going to be able to showcase his passing, you know. And then, you know, there's some off court stuff people have with him. I'm not, no, not really going to hold against him that he's, you know, he quit in the middle of the season. Like he, no, didn't yeah, want to get it's, hurt.
0: It's entirely it a, justifiable. It season. Yeah. Yeah. In this fucking season, yeah, it was entirely justifiable to not put yourself at greater risk. Uh, right. The one thing that goes in hand in hand of that is that we just saw less of him than almost any other player in this draft.
2: Yeah, for um, sure.
0: And like that leaves you with a weird you're in a weird spot because the other thing about about him in terms of his passing and his shooting is that he shot 44 percent from three. But people don't think he's a shooter and he had a negative assist to turnover ratio. But people think he's a passer. Um, That speaks to the degree to which like what we've seen from him isn't representative of his skills. Um, And that scares the shit out of me.
2: Yeah, for sure sure uh, i just thought of one thing that i would like to do again i think ryan and i might have done this on our last podcast but i would like us to go to our happy place um, and project our idealized pick we're not going to go with trades i i want to hear who you would be most excited about at pick 6 16 18 34 and 36. It's five players. We have our list here. Who would be the player that you would be like the single player that you would be most excited about at both positions? We already did six. It's mm-hmm. book night for me. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and go at, at 16. My guy, I had, it has to be Jaden Springer for me. Like, Cause there is a chance that he could be there. Like he's, I think he's getting mocked in the late twenties and like draft express or something like or maybe Chad Ford, like there, he's been mocked pretty low, um, but I I really really like him, obviously. And then at eighteen, I'll go with Usman Garuba. Um, he's really grown on me. I know he he looked really good in the uh, one of the Olympic kind of preseason game or pre whatever the hell you want to call it games. Um, and I just think that if you go with a book Knight and a Jaden Springer, we need a big on this roster, and Garuba is not a traditional big. So I kind of like that even more because he's so switchable. Um, and then in the second round, I'm going to go with, I'm going to say Kessler Edwards at 34. Like he, he's just kind of been become one of my guys that I just, I really like him as a, as a high four role player. I perfectly fine taking high four role players in the second round. Um, uh, and I guess I should say Josh Primo because there is there is a world where he could be there in the second round, too. So, yeah, if we get Josh Primo in the second round, I'm, I'm going to love, love that a lot, too. So yeah. those are my five guys.
1: Well, I'm I'm not thinking Primo in the second round because I don't think he'll be there. So I'll, I'll mix it up from you. I'll go Moody at six because we're talking excitement. So I want him over Scotty Barnes if we're just talking excitement. Um, I would be fine with Booknight also. At 16, I'm going to go with Josh Primo there. And then I'm going to go at 18 with Trey Murphy, a guy that I think blends that upside and um, just high floor. If you're taking Primo at 16, at 34, um, yeah, I'll go with Kessler Edwards at 34. I like that. Um, boring to say the same thing. If not him, you know, uh, I'll say Bones Highland. I like him a lot as well. And then at 36, I'm going to go... That one's tough. I'm thinking center here, and I'm going to go, I think, Dayron Sharp over Nemeus Um, I'm with you. I think we need a center. I think Dayron De- Sharp is a guy who's you know, pretty talented, um, doesn't need an offensive role, plays defense, plays really hard, um, and he's younger than Nemeus Kada is why I-, I default to him. Yeah, yeah. Um... I'm going to say
0: book night six, um, Garuba 16, primo 18. Um, and the question of who to take with 16 and 18 it's cause there are some guys like, I think I would be more excited with, with Josh Giddy at 16 than I would be with Garuba, but I don't think Giddy's making it to 16. If he does, that's my answer. Um, But given what looks available, I would say Garuba and then Primo Um, in the second. um, I actually, I take a way different tack with the second than you guys do. I'm not interested in the Thunder drafting high floor guys in the second. With the caveat that I think in this draft, there's a real possibility somebody is going to fall. And so there's a lot of guys in the late first who would be great and would be totally happy um, taking in the second. But just looking at guys who I know will be there, um, these and these are <laughs> these are such swings. But um, I, I would really like to see us taking the second friends Blyenberg and EJ Onu, um, because I think it's worth I think it's worth swinging on that stuff in the second. Um, I don't. This team doesn't have any need to be good next year, and so I think I'd grab two guys who. I think are at the very least very interesting. Um, By the way, last pod, last basketball pod, I said that EJ Onu surely didn't have a seven foot eight wingspan; it was probably only seven six. But Sam Basini says it's seven eight and a half. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I, I I'm going to go ahead and I'll change my primo because that seems. Since you guys have him going in the first, that, that makes me seem unrealistic. So, I'll replace him with uh, with friends. I'm a I, I like Vrenz bybird.
1: And I, I'm gonna switch it up too. Since you had already had Kessler Edwards, um, I'm gonna go B.J. Boston uh, in the early second. That's an interesting one. Uh, B.J.
0: Boston. I um, I recently did a, started a two K franchise um, where I tried to play this out with the Thunder. And the uh the draft car the draft like um class I loaded in still really believed in BJ Boston, which was funny oh, to I'm see. Sure.
2: I'm sure most of those are like pretty old, I would think at this point. Oh, absolutely. So they're probably yeah, yeah. probably season projection
0: in this draft right? class. But yeah, so it's it's funny to see how things have changed. Um yeah. and a uh, portent of the degree to which things are gonna change in a year from now in terms of our evaluation of all these guys.
2: Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think that's – I mean, we're all really, really excited for the draft. We were talking beforehand that I know Ryan and I have both, like, changed our schedules to accommodate us watching the NBA draft. So. we're we're all punks and it like it makes it even better now like i love the nba draft when the thunder didn't have a first round pick like i would watch it you know be glued to it but now that the thunder have fucking three first round picks and three second round picks like this is like it's like christmas like Mm -hmm. legitimately so um i'm i'm really really excited about it so I think, Alex,
1: we, we got to. Before we go, we're not going to talk about them much, um, but I think we have to give some names that we would like to see as, as two way contracts to, uh, you know, we, we called the Lou Dort a couple of years ago. I think we should just throw some names out there um, in hopes that the Thunder gets some more uh, undrafted steals.
2: Great. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah.
0: I think EJ Onu is a great
1: example of a guy who's going to go
2: undrafted. Perfect. I <laughs> yeah. love it.
1: Um, in, in, in the vein of a Lou I'm kind of thinking like, you know, Aaron Wiggins, um, is, is Scotty Lewis still in the draft? Scotty Lewis from yes. Florida. Um, yes. I mean he's the kind of guy that OKC was projected like to take in the first round in 2020 and then he didn't come out and he is out now and he, Sam Vecini has him at 72. So, I mean, I would like to see him in OKC, um, Amir Sims out of Clemson, AJ Lawson out of South Carolina. Uh, MJ Walker out of Florida state. That's going to be the last guy I like a lot is MJ Walker.
2: Okay. Um, well, firstly, I mean, I've seen Kessler Edwards mocked really, really low. Like, I think I saw him at 59, like yesterday. Yeah.
1: Like I think the is the highest on him out of, out of yeah. many people.
2: So like if we could get Kessler Edwards on a two way, that would be really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, Jericho Sims is another guy that, like, he's from Texas. He's just, like, a ridiculous freak athlete that can switch on the perimeter and be a role man offensively um, so that, you know, he could be, like, the new but better Moses Brown. Um, so that would be fine with me. Um, and then, it, it, you know, it's tough. I'll say a guy that isn't. How about Jason Preston? We'll go with Jason Preston. Probably he'll get – he might get drafted late, but he is like this – he was like a triple-double threat at Ohio that, you know, he is – he's got good physical tools, and he put up triple-doubles in Ohio. Like, he can just do a lot of different things He was He was
1: taken out of the rec center at UCF. was like – like, he has the coolest origin story. I I don't have all the facts straight, so I don't want to, like, say them all. But as a senior in high school, he averaged, like – two points per game, and I think he started out his college career as just a student at Central Florida, and then he goes to Ohio, and he was, like, a star this year. Like Alex said, was just a triple-double machine, great in the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, probably will get drafted just on his tournament run alone. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be a fun guy to see. Also, Isaiah Livers from uh, Michigan. He's a Definitely. great shooter. Yeah. Probably going to get drafted, though. Right,
2: right. Um and yeah, San, uh, Ryan's guy EJ Onu. I'm actually I'm very interested in, in seeing how he winds up. Like that'll be that'll be really fun. I hope I hope he actually does play NBA basketball at some point just for the NAIA to NBA story. Like he actually he like he literally left college early from the NAIA. That's like really interesting to me. So yeah,
0: yeah. Um I mean you see you look at his game. You understand why nobody was interested in him when he was six foot three right. um, and exactly. why that is maybe going to change now that he's 6'11 with a seven, eight and a half wingspan?
2: Yeah. No, it's insane. Like that for sure is insane. But um, all right, cool. Is that a good place to go to, to yeah. stop for us? Yeah, I, I,
0: think, so I think Josh that... Christopher,
1: Josh Christopher too. Our, our next Arizona State uh, steal, Josh Christopher.
0: There you go. Here we go. Not Austin Reeves, by the way, consensus. Do not draft this Austin. Is undrafted. Reeves. We've seen enough. We have seen enough
1: Austin props to him done. for building up his draft stock, but we've right. seen enough.
0: legitimate, like legitimately San Vicente has him as an early second rounder, which is insane. Um, but uh, thank you so much for listening to the Oklahoma drill. Um, I hope you are going to be watching along with this on draft night Thursday. Um You know, we'll be back. I'm sure there will be more interesting OU football news to come in the coming weeks. Obviously, they're going to be more interesting basketball news because the Thunder are actually going to draft some people. Uh, So you'll definitely have us talking about that once that happens. Um, Other than that, um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at PURD underscore happily at NotThatSamDavis and at RW Maxi, and we'll see you guys after the draft.